Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This week, Donald Trump and Paul Ryan held a high-profile meeting in Washington aimed at rallying the Republican Party behind the New York property mogul as he prepares to face off against Hillary Clinton in November. This election is too important to go into an election at half strength. That means we need a real unification of our party. And in West Virginia, Hillary Clinton lost badly to Bernie Sanders. And while the former Secretary of State doesn't face the prospect of losing to Mr. Sanders uh, as the nominee, it raises questions about how she's going to do in November and how she will campaign against Donald Trump. Welcome to the FT's U.S. Election Countdown podcast. I'm Dimitri Savastopolo. And I'm Courtney Weaver. We're coming to you this week from our home base in Washington, D.C., where the city has devolved into a circus. Donald Trump has made a trip down to the Capitol to meet with Paul Ryan for the first time after Paul Ryan last week said that he was not ready to endorse Trump. We're fresh off the meeting now, recording on Thursday. Dimitri, what's the latest? Well, so it was a fascinating morning. Everyone has been looking at Paul Ryan and Donald Trump and wondering whether they would patch up the differences that have been there for a long time, but came into focus last week when Ryan said that he was, quote, not ready to endorse Donald Trump for the uh, Republican nomination. They came out of their meeting this morning. They issued a joint statement that said it was critical for the party to unite if they were going to try and beat Hillary Clinton, who they said was the biggest threat to the U.S. But a few minutes later, Paul Ryan held a press conference with reporters, and, and while he said that Donald Trump was a warm and genuine man and that they had made progress bridging over some of the divide that has uh, separated them, he also made clear that he still wasn't ready to endorse Trump. To pretend we're unified as a party after coming through a very bruising primary, which just ended like a week ago, to pretend we're unified without actually unifying, then we go into the fall at half strength. So I think there was a step in the right direction for the Republican Party today, but it's clear there's still a long way to go, and uh, the uh, the Trump circus is not about to uh, end anytime soon. I don't know. I mean, I think that sooner or later, Ryan and the Republican Party will rally around Trump. I think his statements today were a lot more positive than what we saw last week. And it seems like that, you know, they're in a position now where they're starting to compromise. Uh, and the Trump that we're starting to see is a lot different from the primary candidate. I think to a certain extent, we'll see that. But I guess one of the key questions is, what happens with the other races in November, the congressional House seats and the Senate seats, where people are up for re-election, particularly in the Senate? And one of the things Paul Ryan is concerned about is how is Donald Trump going to impact those other races? Right now, the Republican Party has its largest majority in the House since 1928. And they want to keep that. And they certainly don't want to go back to being in the in the minority. So I think they're going to look also quite carefully at what the polling shows and whether Donald Trump is uh, going to be a virtue or a liability for other Republicans. And it was interesting this week, there was one poll came out which showed that Trump and Clinton were neck and neck in several swing states, Ohio and Florida being two of the, the most important ones. Now, it's only one poll, and we're still six months from the election, but that's really interesting. And so the idea that, that Donald Trump cannot beat Hillary Clinton, I think, is very quickly disappearing. 
Yeah, I mean, I think those poll numbers were, were really staggering. Those were from Quinnipiac University. People have been saying basically since Trump became the presumptive nominee, you know, there's no way that he can take on Clinton and, you know, look at the electoral map. But I think it's interesting we're seeing this pivot from Trump, like I just mentioned, about his his policies and, and certain views. And I think that the Trump that we see in the general election is going to be very different in the primary. And I think as we get closer and closer to November, the polls are going to reflect that. So just because, you know, there's this there's this gap now in Hillary and, and Trump's polling, I don't think that would stay this way forever. So how is Clinton going to tackle Trump? I mean, if you look at over the past week on the question of how much you tax the rich on how you deal with the U.S. national debt, on whether you have a federal minimum wage that you raise or not. Donald Trump has been all over the map. I mean, within the course of 24 hours from Sunday to Monday, he said he would raise taxes on the rich. And then he said the next <laughs> right. day, well, I'm not going to raise taxes on the rich. And then he said, well, I'm going to raise them, but 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 you know, not as much as people thought. And, and it makes it very hard, I guess, for Hillary Clinton to work out, well, who am I campaigning against? So how do you think she's going to tackle that? Exactly. I mean, we've seen sort of some of that struggle uh, the past two weeks, the, the, the kind of the Clinton campaign they had been preparing about how they were going to hit Trump and, you know, the various areas that he was weakest. And then just, you know, in the few days since he's become the presumptive nominee, he's completely uh, backflipped on some issues. So, for instance, I was in West Virginia at a Trump rally last week, and he delivered this line, you know, the American people haven't had a pay rise in 18 years. Can you believe that? It's unbelievable. And this is literally a line that Clinton has been using on the stump for the past six months. So you, I mean, they're in this really tough spot because on the one hand, they can't just say, oh, you know, he stole my line. That's my line. He's not allowed to to flip positions. And you kind of see that, you know, now when they're trying to respond to Trump's attacks, what can they call him out on? So let's talk about West Virginia. I mean, Clinton was expected to lose, but she lost very badly to Sanders, reinforcing the dynamic of the Democratic race, which is that she just doesn't seem to be able to dispatch with Bernie Sanders. He's still there. He's a thorn in her side. Uh, What does West Virginia tell us, do you think, about the general election and how the Clinton-Trump race might turn out? I think I have to say I think West Virginia is was one of the most fascinating primaries we've seen so far this cycle, and you know it didn't get as much play because it's obviously over on the Republican side, but it's just it's so interesting if you compare it to 2008. You know Obama was about to become the Democratic nominee, uh, and Hillary swept the state. She got two thirds of the vote in 2008, and this time the position was basically reversed, where you had Sanders winning by a 15 percentage point margin, which is just huge. So one particularly interesting thing about West Virginia is that it's it's coal country, you know, a huge number of households either worked in coal mining or have someone in their family who worked in coal mining. Uh, and even, you know, various industries that are not directly related to coal mining are feeling the effects of the industry slowdown. And one of the people I talked to in West Virginia was this man, Chris Hamilton, who helps run the West Virginia Coal Association. And they came out to back Donald Trump last week in a big way. You know, with all this happening as a result of just policy and regulations that are formulated uh, within a house, uh, you know, on Constitution Avenue, <laughs> you know, you have a change in election, then then perhaps the, the voice of that house can be a little different. And you think that Trump would be the best advocate for yes. coal miners? Yes. So I think this kind of gives us a roadmap for the general election. So if you look at coal mining states, which is not just West Virginia, it's Kentucky, it's Pennsylvania, which is a major swing state. People in these states are really sick about the Obama's policies in t- terms of the coal industry, and they feel like the Democratic Party doesn't represent them. It's an example of certain states that 
Trump could win in the general election that maybe haven't been Republican before. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, it also kind of raises one of the an interesting issue, which is that there's been a lot of talk about Trump's rhetoric about women uh, and how that will hurt him in the general election because Clinton is going to play the quote unquote women's card. On the other hand, uh, a lot of the policies that Trump has been talking about, like you said, in West Virginia, Kentucky next week, uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, they play well with uh, with white working class men. And one of the questions is, will there be an increase in turnout in white working class men who tend to vote less than women uh, in the election? And will that compensate for any negative impact uh, on the female vote uh, because of the comments that Trump has made? Uh, what's your sense? I think it's too early to tell. I mean, it seems like with this whole issue with the women card that, you know, Trump accuses uh, Hillary of playing to get votes. I think what you're going to see is that a lot of people who already support Trump, comments like this uh, from Trump about women is not going to change their view of him. You know, they know his history as this New York playboy. They, they've they read or heard the comments he's made about women a million times. And really, that's secondary to them. I mean, female Trump supporters I've talked to, their number one biggest concern by far is always the economy. Uh, and, you know, they say Trump isn't a perfect package, but we're willing to accept it. And I do think that Trump is really able to tap into this frustration among a lot of white male blue collar voters uh, who have seen their standard of living drop in the past few years uh, and feel like he's going to be their best advocate. I just want to go back, you know, talking about West Virginia, just to talk a bit about Bernie Sanders, because I mean, I think, you know, he doesn't get as much play as he probably should in the media. And this was a really big victory for him in West Virginia. I mean, looking at the math, it still seems quite unlikely that, you know, he can pull the nomination away from Clinton. I mean, virtually impossible. But I think, you know, his campaign makes this argument, you know, it's not just about math, it's about momentum. And I think the optics are on his side. It's a really interesting question. I mean, on the one hand, it looks like he has the money to stay in the race through the Democratic Convention. And his aides have said, listen, some of the biggest states like California have yet to vote and everyone should have a stake and everyone should have a say. So I think he's going to continue to do what he's been doing, which is to putting forward his his platform for what he thinks needs to be fixed in America. And that puts pressure on Hillary Clinton to move a little bit more to the left to make sure that when it comes to November, that she keeps his supporters on side. And I think you know one of the interesting questions is to what extent Bernie Sanders supporters will support Clinton in November, and, and will any of them go to Trump? And I think there was one exit poll in West Virginia, correct me if I'm wrong, but it said something like 44% of the uh, people who voted for Bernie Sanders said they would actually vote for Trump if it was Trump v. Clinton in November. And that's got to be quite worrying for her. And I guess next week we're going to be looking ahead to uh, Kentucky and Oregon, which hold their primaries. And while it's still going to be interesting on the Democratic side for all of the, the reasons we've just been talking about, I think in the Republican race, the story now is really just to what extent the party rallies behind Trump and whether the Trump-Ryan saga comes to an end and, and who Trump picks as his VP. So... That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Dimi Sevastopula. That's D-I-M-I-S-E-V-A-S-T-O-P-U-L-O. And Courtney's at Courtney underscore F-T. C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y underscore F-T. And you can also sign up for our daily campaign trail newsletter, White House Countdown at ft.com forward slash N-B-E. And that stands for News by Email. So again, that's ft.com forward slash N-B-E. And be sure to download FT Politics wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast. This podcast was produced and edited by Amy King.
Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.